0: All right, so thankful that you're here. Um, To all of you online and all of you in-house, you know, you're welcome in this place. Have you ever, let's see if I can get this adjusted, have you ever offered to help in a situation and you only made matters worse? So we had an opportunity to serve a family last week with an evening meal. Now, I say we (laughs) liberally, uh, because Matilda did all the shopping and the cooking and the preparing. And so I get Samuel home from school, only for Matilda to arrive back from the grocery sh- store shortly thereafter. And so I thought, well, I can, I can do something. I can help get the groceries in from the car. So I went to the back of the car, pushed the little button on the tailgate to get the tail, tailgate up, and I didn't check first to make sure that the items were secure. And so out falls this glass container, container of spaghetti sauce all over the driveway. Well, Matilda was quick to say, hey, no worries. I've got plenty of sauce. I've got a lot of others. It's no problem. Well, shoot, you know. But that did happen, and it was on my watch and my doing. Okay, that's one. After she finishes the meal and she packs it up, I took this large foil pan of spaghetti and meatballs, from the kitchen out the front door to the truck. When I got to the truck, I couldn't exactly manage to get the door, so I was just gonna put it on the, on the bed, on the, you know, up on there on my little cover deal, put that up there, and as I did that, the foil pan lost total integrity. <laughs> and it folded in half, and all of those noodles, you know, once a noodle starts, it's gone. <laughs> and the whole thing right in the driveway, right there. And, and, and I hollered, and, and there were two noodles left in the pan. So then I have to go back on my walk of shame, back in to confess my sin to Matilda, and she only very quickly received it, and she said, no worries, no worries, I've got a double batch already in the process, and I'll have it ready in just a second. So have you ever been in a situation where you tried to offer help, and you only made the matters worse? That is one reason I love talking about the cross every year, these these Sundays leading up to Easter. You guys, the cross stands alone in perfection. There's nothing we can add to it. It doesn't need any help. In fact, anything that we try to do to make it better only makes it worse. And the, and the word of God explains just such a thing when we try to make something more of the cross. Look what the apostle Paul said. Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. To add any human effort is to miss the power and the meaning of the cross altogether. We referred to that great old hymn, Rock of Ages last week, that lyric, nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. So for the next four Sundays, we are talking about seeing everything through the cross. How do we see our world? What does the world look like through the cross? That's worldview. And then next, who do we look like through the cross? There we have our people view. The following week, why should we see everything through the cross? Here you got your all view. And then finally on Palm Sunday, how are we to live through the cross? Living view. So if you've got your Bibles on your phones or you want to just look at the screens, great. Our, our kind of our benchmark text for this morning will be Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, but we'll start with 19. Here we go. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. A worldview is a set of beliefs that influence perception and thought and actions, a worldview attempts to answer the questions, the big questions, like, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? God's worldview is described in that verse you're still looking at. He placed all of his fullness into Christ Jesus and then sent Jesus to the earth to reconcile everything back to him through the cross you see the earth and the universe and especially the human being was much different than they are now this atmosphere was different plants were different animals were different we were very different before sin there was no death and what God, Jesus' spirit created was this paradise beyond understanding. But sin introduced decay and disease and abuse and hatred and selfishness and lust and murder and, and on and on the list goes. Everything that is not like God. You think God introduced those things? No, that's the natural result of what happens when people leave God. We came up with all that other stuff. That's what the flesh looks like when it says, God, God, no thanks doing it on my own but God never stopped with this deep affinity for his creation in spite of us rebelling so before any of us chose to go our own way and sin against him God already put into place a plan to win us back to restore what was forfeited and lost. And God's plan is the meaning of that word reconcile. We don't use that word much anymore. It's bringing back together what was torn apart. Look at the message that's up right there. All the broken and dislocated people, uh, places Pieces are pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. All of creation will one day return to its pristine original condition before sin. That's God's worldview. And that is the worldview, that's what the worldview looks like through the cross. Now, doesn't it stand to reason that if God is looking at the world through the cross, if God is reconciling the world through the cross, if God is making peace with his world through the cross, that we as his children would adopt that same mindset? would accept that same worldview. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, doesn't that premise become our premise if he's living inside of us? If Jesus wasn't sent to condemn it, do we think we are? So if all of this reconciliation Remember this process of returning all of creation to its pristine original condition before sin. If all of this reconciliation happens through the cross, maybe what's best is for us to consider what Jesus said while on the cross, so that we can see what well, our part is. This is in this our worldview. So the first three sentences that Jesus spoke on the cross were all about the reconciliation that we feel toward others. Look what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. To the thief, as Robin mentioned this morning, truly I tell you, tell you you will be with me in paradise today. And then three, he says to his mother, woman, here is your son. And to John the disciple, here is your mother. So Jesus forgave others. Jesus Accepted others, and then Jesus comforted others. Isn't this the world view God has and what he wants for us to have toward our fellow man? Our three main worldviews toward other people: forgiveness, acceptance, comfort. Now, what if this was our modus operandi? What if this was what we what we did with marriage? Oh, have you heard about the grandmother who was celebrating her golden anniversary? And she shared the the secret of her happy, long, and marriage. She said, on my wedding day, I decided to make a list of 10 of my husband's faults, for which, for the sake of our marriage, that I would overlook. And a guest who happened to be at the party said, well, what was on the list? And the grandmother said, well, to tell you the truth, I never quite got around to making the list. Uh, but whenever my husband did anything that made me hopping mad, I would just say to myself, lucky for him, that's one of the ten on the list. <laughs> Can you imagine thinking about these three things? Forgiving, accepting, comforting. Forgiving, accepting, comforting. With everybody that you met, of course, in your family and your friends, your, your classmates and your coworkers, well, what about the bank tellers and the car salesmen and the mechanics and, 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 the, and the telemarketers? Okay, maybe not the telemarketers. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. How can I show them forgiveness? How can I make them feel accepted? How can I bring them comfort? That's what we have in front of us with everybody we interact with. A cross gives us a pretty great worldview of others, doesn't it? The next thing that Jesus said speaks specifically about his own need to reconcile to himself. You say, well, Jesus lived a perfect life. Yeah, he did. But on the cross, all of your sin and my sin and everyone's sin ever before us or that after us was laid on him. All that guilt, all that shame. I speak those words, but I have no idea how, how to understand that. All I can imagine is, you know what it's like bearing your own burden of sin. Can you imagine? You talk about a burden too much. I, mean, I had to be crushing. So here Jesus is. What do you do when it's coming down on you? And I thought about it. When do I feel that the most? Well, when I sin. Well, when I sin, what, what, what am I going through at that point? That's when I'm struggling. That's when I'm hurting. That's when I'm desperate for help. What are the next two sentences that Jesus offers on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I thirst. One describes spiritual inner desperation. And the other, physical outward desperation. One depicts inner loneliness. God, where'd you go? And the other, this physical utter helplessness. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't get himself a drink. What worldview does the cross want us to have when we feel abandoned by God and physically we are at the end of our rope? Well, Jesus says, cry out to God. Let him hear you. Don't go anywhere else. Don't numb it with addictions. And don't ignore it with distractions. Take it to him. Cry out. Michael Yosef, only in the cross of Christ will we receive power when we are powerless. We will find strength when we are weak. We will experience hope when our situation is hopeless. Only in the cross is there peace for our troubled souls. We cry out to God through the cross. C.S. Lewis said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Did you know that Mother Teresa had a real dark moment in her life? You know, we don't think about this. Look what she wrote. I'm told God loves me. And yet the reality of this darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. What tortures of loneliness. I wonder how long my heart will suffer like this. You know, we don't like to think about her saying stuff like that. That's Mother Teresa. We don't like to think about Jesus saying, My God, my God, where'd you go? But it's only in that cry, in our loneliness, in our desperation, that we're able to find peace. So, Jesus gives his worldview on reconciliation with self. And then finally he says, This is what it looks like to be reconciled with the Father. The last two sentences that Jesus uttered while on the cross. It is finished, and Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When Jesus cried, it's finished, his purpose was completed. The debt sin was paid. When he committed his spirit into God's hand, his journey was deemed uh, successful. Jesus is giving us our worldview toward the Father as we near the end. Because of the cross, Jesus has already made your purpose complete, and he's made your journey successful. That's already been established. The cross means at the end of our lives in Christ on earth, it will be, through the cross, it will be a job well done and a return to sender. There are a lot of worldviews out there. Do you know any that can compare with that? John Stott, a fearless Bible teacher, preacher, evangelist, author, global leader, was born in 1921 and he died in 2011. He was visited three weeks before his death by a dear friend, Os Guinness, a famous philosopher and author. Those names may be familiar to you. Well, after an unforgettable hour of sharing many memories over many years, Os asked John, how can I pray for you? And lying weakly on his back and barely able to speak, John Stott answered in a hoarse whisper, pray that I will be faithful to Jesus until my last breath. You know, when I read that, I just go, okay, a job well done. Return to the sender. Geographical heart of London is called Charing Cross. It's this beautiful Oedipus, this tower. It stands literally in the middle of the city. All local distances are measured from it. Its spot is literally today called the Cross. Everybody refers to it. A lost child was one day picked up and unable to tell the people that found him where he lived. And they tried and tried to help him see and help understand. Finally, in response to their questions and amid tears and sobs, the little one said, If you'll just take me to the cross, I can find my way home. That is our worldview. That's it. Just get me to the cross and I'll know how to see the world. And I'll know how to see my way through this world. And I'll see that in this world through the cross, God is making all things new, again. Father, we are bombarded with worldviews that have nothing to do with the truth that you've given us. And we're all discombobulated. We're working for things that won't last, for things that are temporary, for things that are useless. And the cross gets put to the side and it's hung around our necks and it's something that's on our wall and it's something that we think about, but we don't see our world through it. At least not as we might. Change us. Refocus us. Renew our mind. Let us see again the cross and what it looks like what the world looks like through it this is our prayer in Jesus name amen okay church let's stand on this I want you to sing this